Today on episode 23, we're talking about coping with job rejection, the psychology of editing, and the world of documentaries with Ace Eddie winning editor, Wilson and Derek, ACE. My man, Jesus the Punk, hit him with that San Diego sound. Welcome to the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, and I edit films and scripted TV shows in Hollywood. I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program to help aspiring editors start or advance their careers in post-production. I don't have any training in coaching or some fancy degree in psychology. I'm just a guy who is relentless in pursuing his goals and wants to help people do the same. But I didn't achieve happiness and success in my career alone. Throughout the years, I've come across some amazing people that have offered valuable advice and guidance. That's why I created the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program, to help people navigate the path to achieving their career goals. I've been in your shoes and gone through the same struggles. The challenges and fears on this journey are real. And I want to tell you, it is possible. Do you know of an editor that has won two Ace Eddie Awards in the same night? I do. My friend Will is in the Derek ACE who's on the show today. And we're going to have a deep and honest conversation about the psychology of editing and also get some insight into the world of documentaries because Will has worked on some amazing high-profile projects like the Oscar-winning documentary Winter on Fire as well as Five Came Back, Jane, Quincy, The Black Godfather, Killer Inside the Mind of Aaron Hernandez, and Biggie, I've Got a Story to Tell. If you've watched a documentary in the last couple of years, you've very likely seen Will's work. He's going to be talking not only about his editing process, but also share his thoughts on how psychology is 50% of the work, and it can be attributed to finding success in post-production and becoming a better editor. But aside from being an awesome person and a talented editor, Will is very knowledgeable about the post-production industry and has a lot of experience. And about five years ago, he gave me some piece of advice that helped me make a mindset shift with regards to job rejection. For many years, I would take it personally if I was not given a job opportunity. And it created a lot of self-doubt for me, which led me to losing motivation and belief in myself and my abilities. I have a story to share about how Will changed my perspective on rejection that will help you next time you miss out on a job you wanted. Will and I will also be discussing his path from cutting commercials to award-winning documentaries, how it's okay to take the long road to success in the post-production industry, ways you can gain confidence and keep growing as an editor, finding personal growth through pain, the importance of being an optimist as an editor, tips on how you can improve your storytelling skills, why it's important to take care of your health, and we'll get some practical advice from Will on how to become a documentary editor. So much great information in this one, guys. Just personal stories and experiences that will inspire you and help you achieve your goals in the post-production industry. That's all happening now on episode 23 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Have we officially started this, the chat? Yeah, man, we're on. Because <laughs> it's good shit, man. <laughs> yeah, man, well, I'm rolling now. Because, uh, yeah, uh, we were, we're getting into the good stuff. So uh, I realized, wait a minute, I got to hit record. <laughs> I got to say, Will, every time I see your credit up on the screen, I think about the fried chicken sandwich we had at Plan Check many years ago. It was so delicious. And they only had it that one time. Never had it again, man. It was tasty. It was tasty. You need a cold beer to wash it down to. It's the whole complete experience. You know. Well, that part of it, we are certainly reliving today. Is it time? Oh, yeah. There it is. Cheers. Cheers, man. Really good to see you again. It's been a while. Uh, I think we deserve a cold one. It's okay. Every once in a while to have a beer. And it's great. <laughs> yeah, man, there you go. That's now the theme of the episode. There you go. First lesson of the episode. Well, I'm so glad you're here. And thanks again for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this. But I got to say, man, I- I'm having a hard time pronouncing your last name. Can you help me out here? You're not the only one, by the way. <laughs> but uh, Znidarek Z- is how you Z- pronounce it. <laughs> it's all good, man. Actually, part of messing it up is the fun of it. Yeah. Well, maybe the, the beard's already be kicking in probably. That doesn't help. <laughs> It'll help you. It'll help yeah, you. At yeah. the end of the episode. So you're going to pronounce it beautifully. Hey, man, I, again, it's an honor to have you here. And it's uh, not only that, but just simply catch up with you. Like I said, it's been a while since we chatted. And, you know, I, I, I want to hear about uh, your all your documentary projects that you've been working on. You work on some amazing stuff. I mean, you're a two-time Ace Eddie Award winner at the same night, I got to say. Yeah. Uh, which is killer. I don't, I don't know if that's ever happened before, but that was a fun night. I know. I remember seeing the picture on Instagram. I'm like, what? You got to chill, man. You're just, you're just, you're, <laughs> you're on fire. But uh, you know what the thing is? We met a couple years ago 
through a good friend. Shout out to Eileen Mulligan out in New York. What, what? The funny thing is that when I was in New York, she had mentioned your name. She said, you should meet Will, but it never happened. I think we probably emailed each other, never happened. And then I got to LA and I reached out and then we met. Yes, yes. So, so I feel like I know you for like a really long time now. It, yeah. You know, it's so, it's so, it's a pleasure to be here, by the way. And it's so good to, it's so good to see you again. And, but yeah, we could talk about that meeting as, as a jumping off point because that kind of embodies the idea of what the podcast is about, right? Absolutely. And I, and I, I got to say, you know, recently I made a, 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 a YouTube video about some a great piece of advice that I got from Cameron Crowe and Joey McMillan, which was, was about, you know, not making it about the money, right? To choose, be, choose the right projects. Don't make it about the money, you know, make it about the experience, the connections. And it was honestly some piece of advice that really changed my life. And I got to say, you gave me some great piece of advice a couple of years ago that also, I got to say, really changed my life. And, and that was pretty much to not take things personally. And, and I got a story about that, and I'll get to that later on, because I got to say, man, it really changed my mindset about dealing with rejection. That's amazing. Because it's something that I certainly <laughs> encountered a lot when I first arrived in L.A., so we will definitely get to that. But, um, you know, obviously also want to know how you got to work on some really big projects. You're still working on other big projects, and, you know, but you started, I know, in commercials, Yes. Right. So yes. I, want, I want to hear your, your your story, how you got into editing, and then got into commercials, commercials, and then transitioned to working on really big documentary projects. It's so funny. Just as a side note, being a doc editor, I'm often thinking about how do you tell someone's life story. A lot of it is based around the person's biography, their history, and and I often find like a nonlinear approach is the best because it's just more interesting than starting at the beginning. But that's just me dropping a little bit of doc editor wisdom in the context of this episode. Now we're going to go back to the beginning. <laughs> I was born September 16th. <laughs> Take it I back. Was. We're not going to go that far back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, yeah, I started in commercials. You know, I went to film school, and uh, which is great. Highly recommend it. And I think... My understanding is that there are burgeoning film programs uh, opening up all over many more schools than there used to be. Back when I went to school, it was, it was quite limited. It was really like NYU and USC were the like top two. And they're still up there. But, you know, my understanding is that there are more options as well. The, and I, I applied to both being from New York I think my original idea was I was going to go to NYU and then transfer halfway through or, I don't know, some kind of cockamamie idea. But when I came to visit LA, like for an orientation, hadn't accepted yet. It was, you know, just debating and came out in the middle of February or March. And uh, it was just incredible. The, the weather really is an amazing thing. And it still is to this day. But... Uh, I was like, you know what? Why am I? Why would I wait? Why don't I just come out here? Like, you know, I got I got accepted and everything. So why don't I just do it? So that that was the beginning of my going to USC and and starting my LA 1.0 journey, which is great. And then just to speed through the rest of it, I moved back to New York after I graduated, and that's how I got into commercials and editing uh, in New York. Joaquin, uh, we were talking earlier about being DPs and uh, all the benefits that that brings to being an editor because you're you're able to assess visual images on a deeper layer in terms of like composition and like what pops and i and i found working with other editors that's not necessarily something everybody uh, immediately thinks about like when they're pulling selects or editing footage but if you if you're bringing that that uh dp cinematographer mindset photography mindset you know, it helps you choose because you know if something's well composed as an image, if it strikes, how quickly you get the information in it, which then helps you with the edit as far as like I need, I've given these notes to, uh, to other editors on rough cuts and things like that, which is like the images, are, it takes too long to register what's going on in there. Like, like you need to find something that pops. If you're going to cut something quicker, the images actually need to land quicker too with within the frame so so i found that that stuff 
uh, has helped a lot. So it's not that different, you know, being a DP and an editor in, in a sense. But yeah, in school, I was on a DP track and did, and DP'd some student films and was really into it up until, I don't know, all you need is one bad project <laughs> as a DP. Yep. Because uh, it's really bad. Like when it's bad as a DP, it sucks. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, that's the thing because I also wanted to be a director of photography when I graduated from college. And for many years, yeah, I was a camera operator and, 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 trying, and shooting my own projects. And then there was that one project where I said, yep, this is not for you, man. That's it. And that's when I went into editing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's what you find. I'm sure you're going to have a lot of people listening to this podcast who are like, yeah, I want to edit. But you might encounter something like that, that, that job that's just not going to go great and it'll show you that maybe editing isn't your thing. That's a possibility too, you know. But as long as you're on your journey to follow your destiny, when you get there, you'll have even the shittiest job. But you'll still, it won't make you quit. Like you'll still keep going because it'll it'll just feel like you're doing the right thing and you're on the right path and that'll help. It'll be a signpost to let you know like, yeah, you're on your path. You're on your journey. You know, we talk about like, all right, how do I get, how do you go from point A to point B? How do you start off? And then how do you get uh, success, you know, in, in the career you've chosen? That's part of it. You know, it's a, it's a long and windy road. And if you stick with it, you know, then that indicates you're on the right path and, and how well you can weather all of those uh, challenging jobs, let's call them. Because I think there's a part of you that knows you're growing as an editor, through all of that stuff. As an assistant and, and beyond, you know, especially as an assistant, you're really dealing with a lot of, uh, you know, uh, thankless duties, one could say. But if you know you're a part of a team and you know you're there to support your editor and, and the editor sees you and helps you, I mean, that's what you want as an assistant. You want to be working with a good editor who knows most editors have been assistants, you know. So, it's part of the, the, the chain, the ladder that you're going up. And so, you'll be up late exporting cuts at two in the morning and you'll be relinking offline media if something happened or for out, you know, for hours. Like, you'll be dealing with all kinds of technical things and... And you might wonder, like, oh, my God, why am I putting up with this stuff? You know? But if you're a real editor, you know. You know, you're on the path. You're getting closer and closer every day. You're getting closer and closer, and you'll get there. Just keep going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I mean, it's. I think it's like just, I mean, I don't know. I say it's kind of part of the process, you know, and I, I, I mean, I, I've been through it. And, uh, you know, so, so I think enjoy that time and learn as well you know and, and not being a rushed right to get to that chair i mean i think it's good to experience all this stuff like learn the ins and outs you know go through some rough times maybe you know you'll get there right but i mean like it's it's i think it's worth you know it's good to be patient and and, and appreciate what you're going through because those all those experiences i think will lead you to become a better storyteller a better editor you know just kind of having a, a better understanding of how this all works. We were talking earlier, you know, I often say I'm, I'm the tortoise and the tortoise hare uh, scenario. So, so slow and steady wins the race has been my life approach. But I was an assistant for a while. And because it's, it's not just about making that jump. It's not just about being able to say I'm an editor. It's like, what are you working on? Like, what, what's the quality of the material? that you're doing and who's calling upon you like what is your client base what is your reputation in the business like where are you on that hierarchy so you have editors but then there's the whole hierarchy of like where are you on that editing editor list so it's not just enough to say i'm an editor if you, if you're really going for it and you really want success and you want fulfillment and you want to work on great i'm going to say it Shit. You want to work on great shit. <laughs> <laughs> so as an assistant, what you're gaining is, because again, it's it's not just the craft of, of putting shots together and, and crafting the story from that perspective. It's about client relationships. It's about how you run a room. You know, it's about how you deal with uh, 
producers and, and all the other people, obviously directors, all the people involved in, in what you're creating, how you manage all those different opinions, how you filter that stuff down, how you engage. And that's super important. I mean, I was just telling an assistant of mine two days ago, it was like, I told you 50% of the job is psychology and here it comes as we were just getting rained on with notes and notes and notes that you know, are coming from a, a weird place, you know, but if you know that's half the job, you roll with it and it's all good. And, and, uh, so it's more than just saying I'm an editor. That's why I think like learning all those different things as an assistant will, will only help you get better. And that's what happened in my case, you know, and when the time was right organically, you know, the right material and, and I felt confident. I mean, I think that's what you get is confidence from that. You bring that confidence with you as an editor and you're unflappable. Like no matter what anybody throws at you, you know, you can handle it because you've done it before, you know, as an assistant or whatnot. You know that it's going to turn out okay because you have the confidence in your own abilities to pull it off. And obviously that happens as you continue working as an editor, of course, but you want to come in, uh, you know, having developed a network of, of good relationships and, and skills. It's like the long game, you know, how do you, how do you grow in the business? You develop good relationships with people who are, who oversee the hiring of editors or will oversee the hiring of editors in the future. You know, even if you're an assistant, like if you're, I don't know what's, you know, if you're just not pulling your weight, if you've got a bad attitude, let's say, uh, you're not going to get hired as an editor 10 years later by that guy. You know what I mean? Right. You got to look at the long picture like that. And I think that'll help give you perspective, you know, when, when the time gets tough. But also some people just aren't cut out for it, you know, like as an editor and, and working with different uh, assistants and also even production assistants and interns and, you know, fresh faces so show up all the time to help. And you can vibe pretty quickly, like who's gonna, who's gonna, who's got longevity in the business or not, like who's ready for it or not, you know, because, because it's a lot about having just a bright, open, helpful attitude because you know that's gonna help you become a better editor down the road. No, no, I mean, absolutely. And this is, like you said, this is certainly, it's not for everyone, this job. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, right? I mean, it's that's the truth. And I think I got to, you know, I, I always talk openly about this job because I think it's important for people to know what it really is about. It's certainly someone to try it and say, hey, you know, really be honest with yourself. Is this for you? Right? Yeah, it's kind of like there are no shortcuts. Like you cannot fake it. You cannot fake it. I love that. But there are no shortcuts. Like you can't talk your way into a good edit. You can't, uh, you know, m massage a situation to your benefit in the editing room. Like you have to deliver. Like you have to get in there and you have to cut. You have to cut good. And there's no shortcuts to, to making a good edit. Like you really have to like stitch every edit together by hand yeah and it's, it's, it's be a good problem solver be a therapist <laughs> yeah be, it's, yeah it's all this it's it's all this other stuff it's just not only about you know putting uh you know shots together it's, right. it's it really it's more there's a there's i think editing uh you know involves again a lot of relationships a lot of really you know running your room yeah uh, dealing with different uh, personalities a lot of politics and you know it's funny because like nobody sees that so, so in the outside of the business, when people talk about editors, like no one really understands like all the level of those skills that are involved. Uh, and hopefully through podcasts like this and, and others, uh, there's going to be a little bit more of an understanding, which will help young people who decide, oh, I want to be an editor, like what they're really going for. Or even people who can be great editors who haven't thought about it to see the depth of skills that you need, you know, could, could bring more talent to the table. So I want to get back uh, to your story though. I mean, like you, you were doing commercials and, and eventually transitioned to documentary. Could you kind of tell us more about uh, that time where you made that transition? Sure. I mean, I think even while I was working commercials, I didn't 
think that that was going to be the, the end game for me. I didn't think it was like, oh, I'm going to retire as a commercial editor. Um, you know, and, in, and as commercial editors go, you, you tend to work on a few different types of things as well. Like music videos are in the mix. Di- directors of commercials tend to direct different uh, mediums as well. And so you want to form good relationships with directors and you, you try to work on different things. Even if you're like, I'm a commercial editor guy, you're going to dabble in, in different things as much as you want. So those opportunities could present themselves. But I think I always had in my mind, I wanted to get into long form at some point. And maybe I was thinking it was going to be scripted because maybe that was kind of the main avenue there. But as you get into it more, and I'd cut doc-type uh, advertising material and was really enjoying it as an editor because you just, uh, in lieu of following a script or storyboards that are really tight and delineated, you're given a pile of material and you're, able, you're allowed to search and explore and try things. So it was liberating from an editorial perspective and a storytelling perspective, you, you know, it was like the shackles came off and you could just start really experimenting and playing and being creative. And so I was like, Oh yeah, this is for me. Like I want to, I want to keep doing this, you know? And, and, you know, again, in, ter- in terms of relationships, it's like producers I knew at the ad agency I used to work at ended up like 10 years later being able to help me get, you know, longer form doc stuff. And then those projects put me in front of doc editors and uh, other people. And through that chain, you know, I ended up uh, moving back to LA actually and working with uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors on some projects as a freelancer, but with uh, Angus Wall, as the uh, executive producer, and that's Winter on Fire. That was the first thing I worked on after I moved back to LA, and uh, which ended up getting nominated for an Oscar, and it was like bonkers. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you don't start working on a thing thinking yeah. that at all. Uh, you just start. You're like, okay, it was the type of thing where there's a pile of material, and you can tell it's great material, but it just wasn't the shape of it hadn't been discovered yet. And so taking all that creative energy that I loved that I'd already discovered within myself, you know, to really like put it to the test uh, and live like on a real thing and like continue to explore deeply. And, and, uh, it was, it was a very enriching experience from, from a creative storytelling side. And then it just goes from there, you know? So the next, project was the same producer, you know, who had done Prince Our Fire. So it was like, it rolled right into the next thing before it even comes out. You're already kind of going on to the next thing. I mean, you know, of course the work is the, is the foundational element of that. You know, you can have a great relationship with somebody, but if you still suck as an editor, you're still not going to go anywhere. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, of course, that's the foundation of it, but that's not enough. You know, so so being a good editor, but also knowing that you can take notes and knowing how you can integrate notes and be open to things. I would say, you know, a, a really good skill for an editor, probably in any medium, but especially in documentaries, is the ability to like just tear the whole thing down and start again. And that that's really difficult for a lot of editors. And I think that's a, that's a skill you should really hone as you're making your way up uh, and, and get acclimated to because it's one of the best skills because it's tough because you, you put so much emotional investment in the way you've built a scene or the way you've built a whole sequence of something that you the danger is there that you can get too attached to it. And it might actually not be the right way to do something or there's a better way to do it as you build out more or as you're going down a creative journey of how do you tell the story? You know, this it's a lot of trial and error and discovery. And part of that means you have to tear things you've built and you've emotionally attached to. You've got to just be able to be merciless and then tear it apart, like at the drop of a hat, like not holding on to anything. 
I mean, they say, you know, don't be precious about anything. And that's what that means, you know, and uh, I found that that's really helpful, you know, because it, it helps with those, you know, we keep going back to relationships, but it just helps being able to take notes and be open to taking notes because some of those notes might be better, even if you didn't come up with it. <laughs> yeah, right. It might make for a better thing and you've got to be open to that and really try it, like sincerely try that. And um, and I found that in a lot of cases, you know, it, you can integrate notes and, and also that would stimulate something else in your mind and solve other problems you didn't even know existed in the edit. And that's part of that. The dynamism of, of doc editing embodies all that. You got to keep, keep that uh, ego in check. Yes. Not about it. <laughs> leave it at the door how do you keep improving your your, your your storytelling skills how do you become a better editor well experience you know does a lot like just going on to another project which has its own challenges and its own problems you have to solve and everything else it's new so you're gonna be figuring out new solutions and by doing that you're becoming better You know, and then within each project, you know, you've always got to just try to make it the best it can possibly be. You know, you can't, this is for me, I, I never just do a job half-heartedly like, oh, this is just a job, whatever. Like, I always feel like my reputation's on the line with, with everything I'm involved in. And so, That that's in a sense where, you know, I am precious about things, just like I really want to make sure it represents me and that it might, I'm growing, I'm always growing and I want that to be reflected in my work that I'm doing. And it's tough because sometimes you don't have that, you don't have that level of influence in the project, you know, on some you do and on others you're part of a larger team and so what you can contribute, even at the utmost, is still just a part of a larger you know, pie, but, uh, whatever your part is, like do it, do it to the utmost, like never just phone it in. Cause it, it cause you know, the, the ten the temptation rather is there, you know, if you're, you're tired, you're just coming off a stretch of some really difficult work and, and you're on something else and, and you could phone it in and it can be done and complete, but the temptation's there, but how you become a better editor is by never giving into that temptation you know and so that's that's that takes a lot of self motivation to push yourself like i tell the youngins you know at the beginning of a thing that's a major new project we're about to cut because i know how difficult jobs can be and but it's like there's no separation between your life experience here and the film it's like it's all story You know, so it's there's a story of you, let's say, as a assistant editor helping on this documentary project with me. And you're going to have feelings and frustrations and excitement and you're going to get tired. And all this stuff is part of your lived journey through this thing. And that's a story, you know, and you can begin to see everything in story terms because it is. I mean, stories are us, you know. And that's part of that, like growth, self-awareness, or, or whatever you want to say. You know, when you when you can bring that, it just helps your own storytelling as far as uh, the editing choices you make and, and that type of thing. It gets deeper and richer and and uh, more impactful. You know, when, when you think about it like that. But that's how you get better. You've worked, like I said, really big projects. I swear, like every time I would I would watch uh, Netflix and. It, it, I, would, I just keep seeing your name on like the best projects. I'm like, this guy, man, he's, every time we've done something better, something better. I mean, you know, we mentioned Winter on Fire, Five Came Back, Jane, which you were, you won an ACA award for each of those projects it, on that same night again. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, you did uh, Quincy, The Black Godfather, Killer Inside, The Mind of Aaron Hernandez, Biggie, I Got a Story to Tell. I mean, it's just huge, man. I mean, is there. I guess one project that really stands out for you personally? Gosh, you know, it's like uh, picking your favorite child. Luckily, I just have one in real life, so <laughs> she's my favorite. But I have many films that, and projects that I love that I've worked on. So, so each of them have a little something. Uh, like most recently, 
uh, biggie. I've got a story to tell. I, I feel really proud of. And it's a type of thing where, gosh, you know, how difficult that was to complete and nobody will ever know, you know. But we had, we had different, like, we had a pool of material we were working with that we thought was going to be the foundational material that the film was built on. This is what I mean about not being precious and tearing things apart. This is the perfect example of that. And, and spent months building a film around this pool of material. And then that was taken away from us. The, the rights owner just pulled it from us. And when I mean like the foundation, it was like 40% of the film. So now, now you're met with that news. You're showing up to work. And, and that's the news you're met with. And all eyes are on you, which is like, all right, now what? You know? And I guess this is something, another tidbit, another piece of advice for young editors coming up, which is like, you've got to be an optimist. Like you have to be an optimist because otherwise it would kill you. It would just destroy you. You know what I mean? We talk about problem solving and stuff. I mean, like that's at the root of that is as an optimist, you believe there's a solution. That's the definition of being an optimist. You just, there's a solution. Maybe you haven't found it yet, but you know it exists, you know? And so as an optimist, you have to take that news, breathe, exhale, and then say, all right, we're going to figure it out. And then you start, you start figuring it out, you know, you're the one who's, got what's left. You're the one that's looking at everything. You've got to go in there with an open mind, positive mind, and you've got to start reconfiguring what the thing is, you know, and bringing that to your team. I mean, you're suggesting, you know, like I think now actually if we do this and we lean on this, it could become something that could work, you know. And that's where those conversations come in. And, and then you're given the space to try that, to, to work on building that out. And it works or doesn't work. I would say in a lot of cases, in this case, I think it ended up being a better film, actually. So it was like heartbreaking news when we got that news. But then I think at the end, it became a much more intimate film. That's where, I don't know if you've seen it, but... That's where, like, the home movies that his friend D-Rock shot became the foundational part of that film. And and it it motivates stylistic choices because it's like um, video eight film and you've got those glitches and you've got the way that that material looks and feels. You lean into that and then you actually build glitches into the cut and you build that type of, like, uh, texture into it so that it's all emanating from that source, you know, the whole vibe of it. Uh, and that's again, like editing, like where you make those choices and that affects, that's not just about putting two shots together. You know, that's like, what are we sculpting here from top to bottom? And then you're like, you know, then we should start like this and we should start with this. And, and so it affects everything, all those kinds of choices. So again, that's the thing of like being multi-layered person. You know, you've got to be thinking, on, and that comes with life experience and and having a positive outlook. I think when you say life experience, because I, I was just having this conversation. Uh, I mean, I just came back from a uh, from vacation, and you know. To me, I, I to me uh, traveling. I like to travel, and traveling like those experiences allow me to reflect on on the life, the world, you know, many things. And it, I, I come back really inspired, right? And it's those experiences I think translate to, then to the to the timeline, you not know, to work. Yeah. So it's not. So it's experiences just in general, like life. I mean, I, I say always, you know, I, I like you know talking with people. I'm very curious to hear people's stories, get to know people. It's all these things that contribute then to me becoming a better editor. Yeah, man. Curiosity is super important. As a storyteller, for sure. Where'd you go on vacation? Oaxaca, Mexico. Nice. Yeah. It was, uh, went to the city and then to the coast. 
tu puerto escondido. Oh, so yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I'm still, I think, I think I'm still in vacation mode. Good. <laughs> I can't get, I can't get back into, into the swing of things, man. It's tough, but I, I have to. I'm being optimist. <laughs> it is tough, man. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, talking about projects, I mean, I guess, can you give us some insight into your your process of editing documentaries and also how do you find the essence, the story of a project? You know, obviously sometimes, especially documentaries, I mean, first of all, you're dealing with a lot of footage and sometimes, you know, what the idea, the initial idea can turn into something completely different as you go along or many different ideas, right? Sure. How do you weed through all that and then come to that, you know, realization or like, this is the story? You know, it's funny, like there's a there's sort of technical process, but what's behind that you know it's like like i said earlier i tell my assistants i'm like there's no separation between your life journey and this putting this together you know like this is part of your life journey you know and so you bring yourself to it so you go through the material you look at dailies i mean which is to say interview footage or archive those tend to be the two elements that make up a lot of documentary work. And obviously there's like shot material and different other things, but those are the kind of the core elements you're usually starting with. You go through and you just uh, mark like what makes you feel something. You know, you're, I pull material out and put them in new select strings with like text cards. You know, I know some editors just put markers in an interview stream, but I like to take the stuff out because it allows me to reorganize based on what they're talking about, let's say, based on what's going on. You know, it just helps me organize things and, and that gives me a start point and also helps me to see what's important. You know, it's like, how does an idea, how does the thing change? Well, at the beginning, I'm just sort of feeling out what's there and looking for like human real human stuff like in a conversation you're getting information you know but like if something makes you laugh or if there's a, a joke that plays off something that's also important and so in an interview where somebody's revealing themselves you're not just getting information you know you're also trying to like connect with this human being and you want to show that like you want the audience to connect as well. So it's not just about information, you know, and so it's something like, particularly for doc editors, you, you deal with that, not so much scripted, but from the doc editor side, you're not just trying to get information across. Like I would almost say that's the secondary thing. Like that's going to happen. You know, the information is going to come across, but if you can connect on a human level, with the people that are giving you that information, if you could feel something, uh, whether it's a joke, a laugh, a look, uh, an emotional moment, something that makes you feel something, the way somebody says a sentence, you know, could strike something in you that's like, oh, this really, this is the way to say this, you know, and, and it's maybe not direct, but that's okay. You know, you, you, you build things from the sides a little bit and you let the audience like do some work. If it's just the most direct, like informational thing, it's quite boring to watch, you know, and, and we are making films, you know, we are making like, uh, we're using cinema language and, you know, I find like there are a lot of topics I'm interested in, but I won't watch let's say this particular documentary on that because it just looks like it's boring and it's not going to make me feel anything. You know, it's like, I still want to like sit down on the couch and, and watch something and, and feel it. Like I, I want to like, and, and that could be any number of things, but documentaries are on that list. You know, so it's not just like the latest film or limited series about something it can also be this great doc that's viable enough for me to like sit down and really like feel it and so that's those are the choices i'm making as i'm pulling selects like i'm on the couch so as an audience so i'm in there and i'm in the timeline and i'm watching things and pulling things and i'm like i'm still that audience member on the couch i think that's the person you've got to be thinking about 
as you're cutting. Like, yes, you're working with a team and you're working with producers and the director and, and everything else, but your boss, like your boss boss is that person sitting on the couch in a living room in the future. You know, so in a sort of science fictiony kind of way, there's this like shimmery membrane and and they're right there next to you and uh you're gonna be like, Oh, you're gonna love this. Oh, this this is gonna be yeah, I'm gonna do it like this and you're gonna love it. <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on this idea that those that are say working in unscripted can't do the scripted job? To those who say you can't do one or the other, it, it it's in essence it's easy for the people doing the hiring to pigeonhole people. I get it because you don't know. You, you don't want to take a chance. Like your job as the producer, let's say, your job is to fill these roles that you know are going to deliver. Now, if you're hiring a doc editor for a scripted TV show and they ha- you don't have that experience, you're taking a chance. And a lot of people are too busy. They're too busy getting the budget together and dealing with all this stuff to like take a chance on somebody. And I think that's where like relationships come in where, you know, somebody they know might really recommend that person or there might be some human direct connection that can open up that opportunity or the doc editors like clamoring and knocking on doors and putting the word out, you know, stating your intention out loud, I think is an important thing to do to achieve goals. This is also for if you're a young person trying to be an editor, say it out loud. It's it's meaningful. It's real. But so that's the way the business works. I don't I would love it to be a little bit more permeable, but I think it's also like up to the individual editor to say, look, I want to do this and this. And I know some people that are editors in both scripted and unscripted. So I think it's just a question of like trying to make those opportunities open up for yourselves. But generally, you're in your lane and they keep you there, you know? Well, I, I, like we said right now, uh, you know, sh- shout out to the world. I mean, like, yes, I always tell people, put yourself out there. It's as simple as communicating your goals, like actually telling people, I, I want to edit, right? I want to get to that chair just like you. And, and sometimes it's like, you just got to let people know because people just can't assume, yeah. especially say as assistants, that you want to cut, for example, right? But it's like, you just really need to put, I think, yourself out there and communicate what you are trying to do so you can also find that help, find those mentors that are willing to guide you and help you out. Yeah, and it took me a long time to learn that. It's not like I started and I was like, hey, you know what? I'm going to say this. Like I was a very reserved, uh, you could say almost shy person. And I think something that like shy people bring, which they shouldn't, is like, oh, people are going to see me and give that to me or whatever. Like you you just think you don't have to say it. You just think people are going to see you working hard and that's not the case. And sometimes you know, and I try to pay attention and, and I see the people who are working for me. I see them and I say that. I'm, that's me stating things out loud. I, I give encouragement uh, often because I know how meaningful it is uh, for everybody. But it's also, I've been on the other end when somebody's like, I want to cut. It's so powerful, you know, because then that shows me, I feel that drive, you know, and I want to give that person that opportunity. You know, and so absolutely say what you want, like say it out loud. You don't have to like burst through the door every morning with a cup of coffee. But, uh, <laughs> I'm here. Even for me, I, I still want to like, like, you know, where do I want my career to go and what type of material do I, do I want to work on? Do I feel like I want to be working on more? And that type of thing, I've got to continue to say things out loud as well. You know, so that never ends. That never stops. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I, I like you say that because, yeah, even though, yeah, you're working on the biggest projects, but you still got to navigate your career. You still got to pay attention to that. Yeah. That, that, you can say that doesn't, that doesn't end. Right, because it's like, I can't just say, oh, I'm working on big projects because then that's the beginning of the downfall, you know? Then then it's like a downhill and I'm... I, I'm working on stuff that's great and everything, but like I want to get better and I want to continue to work on better material and 
and build my reputation wider and uh, grow, continue to grow as an editor. I think there's so much more growth that can happen. So that motivates me even at this point right now. I just feel like I'm getting started. You know, that, that's my perspective on it. I think it's also always good to find new challenges, right? To be challenged. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so that's put that's putting out that intention, you know, of like I've met I've met some of these particular challenges. I want I haven't done this or this or this. Would love to be tested in that regard, you know, and see. I know we talked about um, uh, before we start recording. I think also at some point when we chatted maybe a couple of years ago, uh, but about the the, the importance of of, of um, you know health and and wellness in this job. I gotta say, for me, um, you know, I was talking to you about kind of the the kind of self growth, you know, self exploration that I've done over the last couple of years uh, that has really changed my life and, and and my career. Right, it brought a lot of opportunities, but also I think something that really <laughs> changed my life. And and I gotta say, you know, uh, my mindset and um, you know, really when things started to turn was when I started paying attention to my to my health. Right, I mean to you know. Uh, Really focus on my nutrition, proper nutrition, uh, obviously exercising, uh, getting proper sleep, you know, and, and eating the right things. I mean, that's when I think also I started to notice a change. I, I was just feeling more energized. I was more creative, simply in a better mood. What are your thoughts on, 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 on I guess, the health and fitness aspect of this career? Hey, man, I, I feel like you're probably doing better than I am in that <laughs> regard. Uh-huh. Uh, that's something I is still a challenge for me. I, you know, now we're talking about outside of the creative scope of editing, but finding that balance, which is not just about time, work-life balance, but health balance, because it's such a demanding job. And also, if you're motivated, you know, and you want to get better and grow and all the things we're talking about, that also takes time. That's like, you know what, I'm going to push few hours. I'm going to work late tonight to get this to this place, you know, and that's very much uh, how I'm built. And so, for me, the challenge is how do I step back for my own health, you know, mentally and physically. And I've been getting better with that. I can say that. This isn't like I'm starting from scratch here, you know, but despite the fact that we're both drinking a beer recording this episode. <laughs> well, come on. You got to have a treat every once in a while. Yeah. We said this before it was going to yeah. happen. It's been a long day yeah. and that's part of being healthy. Okay. I, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just cutting loose a little bit, just a little. One can Absolutely. Why does that hurt you? But, uh, you know, it's like I've been eating healthier. Actually, I think even the pandemic uh, helped with that. Uh, and it helps that I've got a healthy wife who, who cooks really great and, and healthy. I'm so grateful for that. Drinking less. So pre-pandemic, used to meet up with people and, you know, after work and all this kind of stuff. So many opportunities to meet and what happens when you meet in the evening time. There's always going to be a drink involved, beer or wine or what have you. That's reduced a lot. I mean, to the point where really I only have maybe a beer or two on a weekend or a glass of wine. And that's kind of my limit, which is like so much less than it used to be. And it's so much healthier. You know, I feel better, as you say. I've, I try to get out there and exercise. And this has been a thing for me for years. And it comes and goes, you know. And so there'll be stretches for a few months where I'm jogging like two, three times a week in the morning. And that hasn't happened for a few months. <laughs> but I've also got a new baby at home too. So that's my excuse. So I agree, you know, and, and, and uh, like even just like stretching or doing yoga or taking a walk, like something. And I need to get better with that for sure. I think that's critical. Well, it's gonna, I mean, you're aware of it. That's, yes. that's, that's the first big step, honestly, is just saying, hey, you know what? I, I got to work on this. I could do better. Um, but you you know that it's... It's necessary, uh, and you'll you'll get back into it. You know, like all right, it's not a, it's not like going for a jog or something, but I do allocate a coffee break every day, and so that's about stepping away, stepping away from the computer, going outside, and walking. 
You know, so so that's been consistent, you know, for years. It's like about three, three thirty, you move, you get away from the system and you get outside and walk around a little bit. And a cup of coffee is like an excuse basically to do that. Well, no, I mean, you know, it's funny you bring that up because um, that's what I re- – before I used to think that I had to like every time go out, you know, and do my one-hour, you know, strength training workout and, right. you know, burn 500 calories, this and that. And recently, a couple months ago, I busted my, my shoulder and I couldn't, I couldn't work out. And so what I, what I started doing is simply just going out for walks, uh-huh. um, you know, in the morning and then uh, in the afternoon. That was my only form of exercise. But what I realized, it was so peaceful. Hmm. You know, I was able to, it was kind of like my, my time to kind of meditate, although I do meditate aside, you know, from that every sure. morning. But it was just very relaxing. I, I just was walking around the neighborhood. Uh, so I got some exercise, but also just was able to kind of just, just kind of zone out for, you know, whatever, 15 minutes. Yeah. And I, and I realized that I don't need to go hard. Every single right. time, like you said right, right now, like a simple—it doesn't have to be that way. You can a simple coffee break is good enough, honestly. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm always going to like bring it back to the work, you know, because that's part of my problem, I guess. Uh, I'm a workaholic, you know. But when you're walking, when you're meditating, you know, when you're doing that, yes, you're not at the system, but whatever you're trying to figure out tends to, you know, solutions tend to form in that space and then you can come back when you do come back you're not only like physically healthier but mentally you've found some clarity for whatever you're dealing with in the edit too well it's story time here on the hollywood editing mentor podcast and i now want to get to this story of when you and i first met when i got to la which was about five years ago uh but at that time you saw me i I was just i was brand new to la and i was you know i think even at that time i wasn't even trying to get into scripted i was just trying to get work in la i I come from new york i had a really you know successful career in new york i think i came a little bit too confident overly confident to la and man i was not getting any work and so i had a lot of conversations with you you know, obviously seeking advice. So one day I remember uh, I'm driving down to San Diego and that previous week I had interviewed at one company for, for two different uh, documentary jobs. So like I went to an interview on like, you know, Monday for one gig and then like on Thursday for the a, a different show at the same production company. So that the next week, like on, on, on a Thursday, I get a call or an email that I did not get the job for one. And then when I'm on that drive down to San Diego, I get the, uh, another call that I didn't get the other one. I was 0 for 2 at the same company. Oh, man. And I had like a panic attack. I had a just complete mental breakdown in the car. And I said to myself, I'm, I'm never working in this town. It's not going to happen. Like, I, I just, what am I doing? Because at that point, I was not getting any work for like a good year. I mean, I, I wanted to quit. I just didn't know what to do. And I had like a little mini meltdown in the car. I stopped uh, at, uh, at a brewery in San Diego. I said, I need to pull, <laughs> pull over. I got to chill. Yeah. And so I remember I texted you. And I said, hey, well, I'm like... I mean, I just got rejected from two two gigs. I, I was all complaining. And you said to me, don't take it personally. Like, you know, don't forget, this is a business. Like, you were really straightforward and saying, hey, man, like, you can't take this personally. Like, you know, just move on, right? It is a business. And I, and I, I think, I remember, like, I remember reading that I wanted comfort, right? And it, maybe it, I was expecting something else. But it really shocked me, right? And not in a bad way. I'm just saying, like, it really woke me up. Right, because at that point I gotta say, and not even in LA, but just I think my career. Yeah, I, I think I would take things very personally, and it was like you know, sometimes I would, t- someone's out to get me, and it really messed with my mind, my motivation. It caused me to doubt myself, my abilities, and I think at that point it was like I made that switch, and I said, you know what, Will's right, like. You know, this is just, it's a business, man. There could be so many other reasons why I get, I get hired. I mean, there's so many things that could happen. It's not about, necessarily about me. Right. And so I, I read your, your text and, and I, I just, I was thinking, I had my beer. And then I, I go on, uh, I think it was, I don't know if it might have been Facebook or Staff Me Up. Anyways, uh, I end up working right there. I get a job on a feature film as an assistant, right? A union feature film. Okay. And then obviously then that, then I started working and that snowballed and, 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 you know, here I am. And, and now, and I'm not to make it about me, but I'm just saying like now we're pretty much getting hit up for the same projects. It's incredible. And we're working with the same 
composers. And yeah. so, you know, and I mentioned this because, I mean, you were there, you kind of, you, you saw me struggling and you gave me this huge piece of advice that helped me cope with job rejection because, you know, it, it did happen again. But also in that specific moment where I actually did want to quit, but I decided to keep going and I landed a gig on a union feature film. I'll tell you a couple things from that, which is such a great story, man, you know, because it's so much more interesting than me talking about how I came up. That's you lived. It's so fresh. The way you tell it is so fresh. And it means a lot, you know. I know when I've been in similar circumstances in my life, how mean, how deep that goes, how so I totally get it. I totally get where you were because I had been there as well. And But now having spent some years growing and going through ups and downs, then I'm able to give advice like that because then I can see, you know, it keeps going. Like no matter what, it keeps going. So it's like having that perspective. If I told you like it's going to be okay, that'd be just BS that's not even advice. That's just BS. That would really mean like, I just don't care like about this guy. Like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Click. And like, so that's not going to help anybody at all, you know, but I could see like what I would have wanted to hear, probably what you would want to tell your younger self already, you know, <laughs> totally. it's like, don't take it personally is great because it truly is that way. Because if now you see even like decisions people are making about hiring people and you see what goes into it and you see how, nobody's thinking about the person like on that level it's they've got their own reasons and everything and it was just bad timing you got two two hits in a row but look that's also part of the story that's part of how you got the other thing that led to this moment so it's beautiful you know those rejections are beautiful man well and then to to kind of elaborate on that and that's the thing it is beautiful because at that point you know i had told myself i wanted to make the transition to scripted right but Mm -hmm. i was and going back to this, what I mentioned earlier about not making it about the money, the thing is, I was still making it about the money. Like I was, you know, I was still, you know, I was going to, these were documentary gigs, right? Nothing against it. It's just that that's not what I wanted to do. But I was still, sure. that, the fact that I was, that's the thing, I was still going for those interviews, right? So why, why are you still going for that? You need to make, if you're going to go for this, you need to make that mindset shift and, and go for, for scripted. That's what you need to do. Right. And so that's the other part of it, right? Is that that I needed something to kind of wake me up and say it, this was a beautiful thing because it was uh, it guided me then in this direction and started my career in in, in scripted, right? I mean, and obviously, you know, I, I worked in low budget. I didn't make it about the money. Certainly, in these low budget indie, indie films <laughs> that was not about the money. I gotta tell you that, and, and that was that way for a while, right? And I and that was hard because I couldn't I couldn't pay my bills. Right. But I was getting that experience. But it's like these moments. That's the thing. That's why to me, like I'm very grateful for that and grateful for your advice and simply just, you know, meeting you and being able to to have this friendship was because it's those things that uh, that change your life. I mean, it's just you need to come across these people, these moments that you really got to listen to and say, you know what, like it it literally changed the the course of my career. And, you know, and the funny thing is, first of all, shout out to Eileen, our mutual friend who who was great and that's why, you know, it took the time to like, let's meet up and talk. And for me, I, I really don't even remember giving you that advice. That's the best <laughs> part about it. <laughs> yeah, I am like freaking out, you know, like, yeah, for you, your whole world is hinging on this thing, your whole being. I mean, it couldn't be more important. And for me, it's, uh, you know, a, a few seconds of a couple of texts, which are authentic and sincere. But I don't have that emotional weight attached to it, so then I don't remember it. You know what I mean? And so that's just the funny, the the yin yang of, of the same experience, you know. But that's what you want to get to a position where you can help people and forget about it. You know what I mean? Because because you're being truthful, you know. And and what happens is it's just people, yeah. They, they get the help that they need. It's a beautiful thing. Well, that's the thing. I, you know, with, that's what I say to my community, my mentees. You know, I, I want to be honest with people. I'm, I'm yeah. truthful. You know, and, and so sometimes yes. the truth can hurt, but it's you need to hear it how it is. And you know, and now I understand it, right? I mean, now I get it because it's like you know, I'm not just like you said. I'm not just going to say like, hey, yeah, you know, just keep going. You know, work hard. Keep, right. You know, it's going to be okay. 
no, no, no. It's like, you know what, if I, especially as a mentor, if I'm seeing something you're not, like, I'm going to let you know. That's, I think, the, the job of a mentor, right? To, 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 to maybe show you what you're not seeing. Right. Yeah. And, 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 and to not take it personally, it's not a criticism. It's just, hey, right. like, I think maybe you should do this. Maybe you should go this route or apply this. Maybe you should change this about your personality. I think you're being, you know, this way. Right. It's just, I'm just letting you know because I, because I care. Yeah. Truth, truth hurts only if it's like that hurt is where growth is. You know, the hurt is just about like letting go of something that's not helpful. And that means change. You know, but then that's a good hurt. That's a good kind of hurt. But yeah, truth is, if you're really serious about mentoring somebody, you really want to help somebody, you got to be truthful. That's the only way. You know? Absolutely. No, there's no other way around it. I, I, I tell how it is to my mentees, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so proud of you, man. So proud of you, dude. Well, thanks, man. No, I thanks. And I, again, I, 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 I thank you and appreciate, honestly, the fact that we just, you know, got to know each other, ran into each other. And, and I, I don't know, I think it's, you know, I'm one of those people, I think it's meant to be, you know, the, the reason why people come together, uh, I believe putting out that energy into the universe, uh, I'm all about it. And obviously, we got connected through, like you said, a very good friend of ours. She's great as well. Uh, so I think it's all it's all connected, man. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I mean, this is not like a friend in the business or anything, really. No. You know, but uh, that's the relationships aren't just about the people you're working with; they're everybody in your life. You know, it's about being just yeah, putting out kindness and truthfulness, and that that's just going to help you in every way, career and, and life and everything. Yeah, it's you want to work with good people. You want to work with people that see the world the same way, and and I vibe that with you, man. And you know, it's uh, and people are listening to this, and hopefully, they get inspired too. I hope so too, man. No, definitely, man. And and and, and just like uh, definitely, you inspired me. I I hope I know you're gonna inspire the rest of the Hollywood editing mentor community, man. So, so thanks again. And you know, I know you I know you got a family, dude. I know it's late. Uh, you've been working hard. I just got one more question. I mean, like, really, yeah. some practical advice, man, for you know, listeners who are wanting to do what you do, work on these types of projects, be a documentary editor, an award-winning documentary editor. I mean, like, so what do you? What advice could you give to someone that's that's uh, looking to be, you know, uh, a documentary editor? Gosh, you know, I mean, there's so much, and it's all out there. Obviously, just work hard and keep going and all this stuff. But I'll tell you, like, occasionally, I'll get a cold email or something from uh, Instagram or whatever. There's ways to get in touch with anybody. And I kind of like feel more more people should do that because again, then that's somebody standing out and and being known. Uh, Even if it's like, I just now see the person's name. Yes, I'm busy. And in a lot of cases, I won't be able to do more than just respond and and give some some general advice you know it's not like someone's gonna i'm gonna get a message from instagram that person's gonna get hired on something i'm doing that's i also want to like vet the person and get to know the person and have that person be recommended by somebody so that way i they're vetted a little bit but that gets your name out maybe somebody's looking for somebody that, and I could easily, again, I would forget it the next day, but it's just copy and paste and send that along. Who knows? That could be the life-changing thing for somebody. Um, but I only find it happens occasionally. And and I think, you know, more people at all different levels, you know, if you've got that desire, I would say, like, write to the people. You know, if you want to be a DP, like, write to all the great DPs on Twitter or whatever and, like, let them know that if you want to be in doc editor right it's all the doc editors who've done work that you like and call it out and why and and uh, tell a little story and then he, who knows but that's just the way you can begin to generate again a potential connection that could lead to something well great advice here you heard it here uh guys uh from someone who's killing it in this industry listen to his advice i did I certainly did, and, 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 and things turned out pretty well, man. I gotta say. Hey, look, I gotta write a book. I know. I gotta, exactly. I gotta, I gotta get an infomercial going. Yeah, man. yeah. <laughs> looking for other other business opportunities, man. Always, yeah, always, right. always looking. <laughs> hey, Will. Well, I, I, it's been great uh, just having you on and simply catching up with you. 
And, um, you know, we definitely got to get together at some point uh, and have uh, more fried chicken sandwiches and one, one beer only, okay? All right, uh, maybe, maybe a salad. Maybe, yeah, okay, salad, yes. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Grilled <laughs> chicken. We'll get some coffee and a walk. That's the new the new version of it. Exactly, yes. Forget this fried chicken stuff. Yeah, man. All right, well, have an excellent night. You too. It was, a, it was an honor and a pleasure, truly. Thank you. What you guys think? So much great advice and knowledge there from my friend, Will Zinederic ACE, who, like I said, helped me make a mindset shift that helped me deal with the job rejection. I also loved hearing about his process for cutting high-profile documentaries and his tips on how we can continue to grow as editors by seeking new challenges. Thanks for listening to episode 23 of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Podcast. Please share this episode with anyone that needs help coping with job rejection or that is looking to be a documentary editor. And also make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review to help this mentorship program reach the post-production community around the world. My name is Joaquin Elizondo, the creator of the Hollywood Editing Mentor Program. Stay safe, stay positive.